95, Cultivating Soil Type 3. Preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, the 15th of September, 1974. And when a great crowd came together and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trodden underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The one alone, along the path, are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of temptation fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bring forth fruit with patience. Amen. the parable and using the parable as the background, I think we can say that people who would compare with soil type number one, they're not with us this morning. They're not here. The hard-hearted, those people who have ears to hear but hear not who have hearts to understand and understand not. Those people who allow the word of God to bounce off of their lives but never allow it to bounce into their lives, though their bodies might be here today, their responsive spirits are not, so we can honestly say they're not here today at least with their ears and their hearts. 
I suppose we have some people here today who would fit into category called soil type number two. These are the ones who, who come to church occasionally, catch a word of God's truth, get some insight into a biblical concept, they get all excited and and, and were controlled more by their emotions than by their convictions. They throw the religious cliches about freely, though they may not understand them, their biblical knowledge is, is shallow, their commitment superficial. They're on rocky ground. And when the long, dry, hot spell comes as it comes to every one of our lives, not once but many times, the Word of God, which is to be a light under their feet and a lamp under the path, that is to be their hope, that is to be their strength, that Word withers away. And that joy that the person knew only temporarily vanishes. And those people, you don't see them back in church very often. But I think most of us who are here today and who worship regularly, we belong in that group which can be classified as soil type number three. We are not impervious or hardened to the Word of God. We've heard the Word of God. The Word of God has come into our ears and into our hearts. That Word has, has grabbed root deep within our existence. But the problem is that even though we know the Word of God and heard it and really tried to follow it, we don't seem to be able to bring forth the mature fruit and have the power that we are supposed to have and which we can produce. And we say, what's wrong? What's wrong? It's not the fault of the seed, it's good seed. And I really don't believe it's the fault of the soil, because we're not bad soil. The fault lies with the thorns, you see. Those thorns that compete with the Word of God in our lives that are choking us and keep us from living the liberated, free, faith-filled lives that God created us to live. Those weeds, those thorns. Jesus mentions three of them by name. The first one is the care of the world. Or in another word, which we're more accustomed to hearing, worry. Worry. There is absolutely nothing that can crush the power of God's word which already is in you. From maturing and growing to fruition, then that 
darn problem of worry. Not only does it ruin the person who's doing the worrying, but it also has its effect on everybody else around the worrier. And what is most disappointing, and which many of us do not understand, is that every time we worry, we disappoint God. You know that? Because, you see, worry is not a medical problem. It's a spiritual problem. It belongs under the dimension of religion. The medical man cannot really help you with your worries. He can give you a pill which perhaps has affected your emotions and your physical, but that's treating only the symptom, not the problem. The problem is a religious problem, and when you worry, you are basically denying God. You are basically saying when you worry, God, you might have created this world, this beautiful day, you might have created even me, but I don't trust you with my life. <laughs> I don't think you know what you're doing. I've got to work. That's worry. That's worry. This is one of those thorns that can come up and really choke your life and my life. And as a result, our worries have an effect on each other. You see, Jesus was such a deadly foe against worry. That's why in the Sermon on the Mount, you can read it in the sixth chapter, three times he tells the people, in the form of a command, mind you, don't worry. Don't worry. Do not be anxious about your life. Give no thought for the model. These are commands, not suggestions, because Jesus knows, being the Son of God, that there's absolutely nothing that can destroy a person's life faster and kill the Word of God in a person's life than that thorn called worry. You know, I really think that in this day and age, when we seem to have so many worries as individuals and as a nation, it may come from the fact that no matter, even though we write it on our currency, in America and as individuals, we just don't trust God. And we see the results. We're a worried people. A worried people. The word that God has for America and for you and me today in our society is being choked to death by our worries. But it'll do it to anyone. Who will the word of God in you and in me? As will that second form that Jesus talks about. Riches. The riches of the world. They're, they're here to help us, but so often they hurt us. <coughs> now notice the Bible uses the word not money, though money is included in that broader term called riches. 
But you don't necessarily have to have a lot of money in your bank account to be rich. I know many people right here in this community are rich with great mental intellect. They are rich in popularity. We have many who are rich in, in beauty. I'm looking upon some people now who are rich with power and with prestige. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. We have them right here this morning. And we're very grateful for them. And you would think that these riches would help us to bring forth a better world and a better you and me. But oftentimes they don't work that way. Instead of helping us, they hurt us. They have the ability, you see, to choke the word of God that is in our lives. And really, instead of helping us, hurt us from growing and maturing and developing good fruit. That's it. Riches. That's, that's what Jesus said, you know, how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And one of the things that really is strangling us today is a misappropriation, a misunderstanding of these things that God has given to us to enjoy. Riches can do it, and so can pleasure. The pleasures of this life, that's a form. A possible thorn, says Jesus, and that's not because he came down and founded a killjoy religion. No, far from it. Jesus wants us to be happy, to find fulfillment, to be satisfied, to use the creative powers within us. He gave them to us. He wants us to find pleasure. But he knows that we cannot find pleasure by trying to seek after it. When anybody looks at pleasure as being a root instead of a fruit, when he looks at pleasure as something that he can go and get instead of understanding that pleasure is something you can only receive, when you think that pleasure is something you can go out and buy and gather for yourself instead of realizing it's a byproduct, a serendipity, it comes as a result of doing something else. <clears throat> then pleasure and seeking the pleasures of life choke us choke us and I think it is most ironic as I try to be somewhat prophetic and act as an interpreter of the history in which God is working in our world today that the troubles we now are facing seems to come hot on the heels of a generation and of a philosophy which we taught and which we try to live by telling people the most important thing in the world is pleasure. Do your own thing. Have a 
good time. Make sure it's fun. And as I talk with people, living in that permissive type of growth, I haven't talked to anyone for a long time who is truly, genuinely happy and pleasant. Look at people's faces. Just look at them. They droop. The twinkle's gone from the eye. And we are a people, though, that are the pleasure-seeking society. See what happens to pleasure when you allow it to choke out the word of God? Those are three thorns. Jesus mentions them. There are many more, many more, anything or anybody who allows you to put the word of God second best instead of first. That is a thorn that can choke your life. Well, what do we do? What do you do with thorns? Thorns that are in your spiritual soil. Thorns that are preventing you from living the type of life that God created you to live. What do you do with the thorns and the weeds that are in your garden? You can cry over them. You can bawl and be very sorrowful for them, yet when I stand by my garden up there north of Eden, and feel very, very sorry about all those weeds and thorns that are out in that garden, you know, they don't disappear. They're still there. They were there this morning when I left. Well, you can talk about them to anybody and tell them how horrible they are and, and how deadly they can be and how they are ruining your production of crops, but, you know, talking about thorns does not make them disappear. They're not very self-conscious. They're not easily offended. I don't mean to be sacrilegious, but you know, you can even talk to God in prayer about the thorns in your garden, and God doesn't even do anything about them. You can stand by and wait for somebody else to come and pull out the weeds and the thorns in your garden, but I don't see many people weeding other people's gardens today. They've got their own gardens to take care of. And besides, if somebody did come into your garden and, and perform some major surgery, he wouldn't like it. No, he wouldn't. He'd be scared to death. He'd be pulling out the wrong thing. I've never met a, a farmer or a weekend gardener yet that enjoys anybody playing around in his garden, even if it's a weed patch. You don't like it. There's only one way to cultivate your garden and to get rid of your weeds and thorns, and that's by you reaching down and pulling the thorns out by the roots. If there's going to be anything done in your garden, you've got to do it. Nobody else, you. You've got to reach down and you pull out that, that thorn called worry. And you throw it away and you say, be gone. 
No more. And of course, if you don't put something back in its place, it will grow up again. So you take a good seed, a good seed which comes from the Word of God, and you plant it in there like, take no thought for the morrow. Keep, keep, keep saying that, you see. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will wear, what you will eat, what you will do. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. Plant a seed of scripture. Secondly, what about these riches? These things that sap so much of your energy, demand so much of your attention. These particular blessings which have been given to you, but which take so much time to, to keep up. Adopt the biblical idea of stewardship. Realize these are things which have been given to you by God. You've been blessed to be a blessing. Realize that your money, your time, your, your, your talents, your looks, your power, these are gifts from God. You brought nothing into this world. You'll take nothing out. But as long as you're here on the face of the earth, God has entrusted them to you. You are their manager. You are their supervisor. You are their steward. A man's life consists not of those things of which he has in abundance, but what he is. And you and I, we're stewards. Let's not be bothered about whether or not we're keeping up our riches, but let's see how we can give them away intelligently. And pleasure, you take that root and you throw it away. And once and for all, make up your mind and know that pleasure is not something you can seek. Throw away that idea. But it's when you know who you are and when you do your job to the best of your ability, suddenly you find that happiness comes as a reward. When you love God and do unto others as you would have them to do unto you, you find that life is a pleasure. You receive in direct proportion with what you give. What does it gain the man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Not a thing. But whosoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels, he'll find it. But try to save it for pleasure and you'll lose it. You'll lose it. Take those thorns and any other that you have in your life and pull them out. Throw them away. And do not that just today, but every day of your life. And you know what? You're going to find a new power which frees you from worry. You're going to have a new appreciation for every day of your life. You're going to find happiness. Whosoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And whoever has a hand to cultivate, cultivate. Amen. Father, help us to realize that in your plan for this world and our lives, you have included us as your co-workers to help build the kingdom. Father, we leave the worrying up to you. Help us to do our work. 
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.